Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostel. My guests this week are the guys from Forefathers, Amir, Jondon, and Matt. We talk about everything under the sun, from them all meeting for the first time in person last April at Creative South, to working with their business coach, Jason Bloomer, who specializes in helping people in the creative and tech world, how they tackle working between three time zones and two continents, their revision manifesto and how it changed their business and the relationship they have with their clients. All that, and Jondon coins the term piss wizard right after this. In case you missed it, the Creative South 2017 Love is Blind tickets went on sale last Monday, and y'all sold them out in 30 minutes. If you weren't able to get yours, fear not, because the minute the Love is Blind tickets sold out, we unlocked the rest of the Creative South tickets. So head over to creativesouthga.com and get your tickets now for the greatest creative conference this side of the Mississippi. Plus, keep listening to the podcast for more exclusive news on CS17 speakers, events, and workshops coming soon. If you like the podcast and want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash creative south. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts, and you could even get your own podcast episode. So please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. So, Matt, Jondon, Amir, thank you uh, for joining me um, across various time zones. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us, Jason. So, you know, just to kind of, I guess, dive into it, why don't you guys go around the uh, table and introduce yourselves, and we'll uh, we'll start with the farthest away first. Amir? All right. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) uh, My name is Amir. I live in Gothenburg, Sweden. I'm not even going to bother saying my last name it has this it's a weird name no one's gonna understand it anyway so yeah i'm the i'm the european one-third of the forefathers gotcha and i work with branding and illustration okay uh matt uh my name is matt hay i'm in new jersey um i am the yeah i'm the the second third of forefathers uh (laughs) I do uh, a lot of the uh, business side of things and uh, um, web development as well. Gotcha. And Jondon? I'm Jondon. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the lead web designer and uh, beer drinker. Beer drinker? <laughs> Are you drinking already this <laughs> Are you drinking beer already this morning? No, 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 no. Not, not a.m. Yeah, I only, I only, I only go AM if I'm on vacation. I was about to say you're in the same time zone as me, so it's uh, ten in the morning there. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be on the. Or when he's in yeah. the same room as Brian Steely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will drink AM beers with Brian Steely. Yes, a day drinker. Yes, fair enough. So um, let's let's give the kind of quick background of. 
who or what Forefathers is, and then we'll start splitting things up from there. Um, I'll, I'll let you all decide who wants to uh, take the lead on that one. John, then you go ahead. Uh, Forefathers, it's, it's been a couple of things. A couple th- of things. Th- throughout the years, but mainly it's, it's always remained a very small agency focused on working with smaller to medium-sized brands. We haven't ever gotten into the, the I guess, the big, big fish category of Fortune 100, Fortune company. 5 millions, whoever those are. We've never, we've just never really landed any of those. And I don't think that we've ever really tried. Uh, I think we've always had more of a connection to, I don't, I guess you could say companies that are kind of like us that are setting out on their own course, whether they be smaller companies, smaller restaurants, the mom and pops, mom and pops. I don't know if there's actually mom and pop, but (laughs) (laughs) smaller kind of smaller companies that are trying to, to grow. Sure. And it's what we've always been. So it's always been myself and Matt from the beginning. Uh-huh. And we, we had a uh, full-time illustrator for roughly about a year and a half, but uh, Amir's always been with us as well. I think he, he came in, he came in, I think we established, what was it like the six month mark, Amir? I think so. Yes. Of being forefathers. And so he was always there. Gotcha. And um, yeah, long story short, we, we lost our um, full-time illustrator. He, he moved on to uh, another job in California at the time. And Amir just kind of stepped up and, and took over the position. And it's been, it's been the three musketeers kind of on the <laughs> daily basis. I mean, we've also had other developers that we've, we've used throughout the years and have grown with us. But for the day-to-day forefathers operation it's been myself matt and amir sure so you know john and when you and matt first met how how did that happen because you know matt's in or i I shouldn't say first met because until just a few months ago you guys had never met in Mm. person (laughs) yeah um yeah so yeah we we met in physical form at creative creative south 2016 so that was what april yeah yeah and we started we essentially started forefathers between myself and him in january of what was that timeline matt was it 2010 no no no, no. 2011 yeah 2011 so throughout that whole time we had never uh, physically met, but we where we met was on it was just through Twitter exchange, um, admirers of, of both each other's work, and uh, I knew who he was. I think long before he knew who I was. I didn't know his name, but I, I knew I knew his company. So I think kind of in the era of the internet and website, you know people's brand or company before you know who they are as people. Type sure, of thing. sure. So it's, I get, so I claim. Yeah, yeah. So, so I knew Matt. <laughs> I just didn't know him. Um, so, yeah, I, that's kind of where we met was just a friendly exchange on Twitter, and then um, we just kind of started conversing back and forth until a, a project came along where he he needed some help on, and I jumped in 
and helped him with it. And it was, it was just kind of kismet. It was, it was just one of those relationships that kind of just, I don't know, you don't have to try with it type of thing. And we, I think we really realized that immediately in like, wow, holy shit. We, we work exactly the same and and we think exactly the same and we kind of want to do this same thing. So let's just, let's just do it. Gotcha. And, and Matt, what, you know, since Jonathan was aware of your company at the time, what were you doing at the time before everything kicked off? I was a uh, creative director for a record label um, and, and worked. Uh, I had a freelance company that did a lot of work um, within the music industry, um, primarily like uh, album art and uh, and then just promotional materials for, you know, a wide array of different artists from, you know, pop to metal. Uh, We did a a lot with all like the big, um, big name record labels. Uh, So that's kind of how he knew me just from, you know, us both growing up in the music scene and, uh, and being musicians ourselves that, so he kind of knew my work through that. Gotcha. And then Amir, when you uh, finally got dragged in uh, to the group, uh, what were what were you doing at that time? I was just working for myself, uh, mm-hmm. like I've been for a very long time now. It feels like, but I was for a while. I was still working by myself for myself. Uh, sure. and I had forefathers as a. I was sort of a, like it was a transition that took a while from going full time with mm-hmm. forefathers. So I was still doing my own stuff for quite a long time. Uh, and then eventually uh, went with both feet. So Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So you guys have been at the, what year is it? Five, five years mm-hmm. um, now. It was uh, five year anniversary, July 4th. Actually. Oh, Okay. So you celebrated by going on vacation and abandoning them. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I went silent. Hey. Like, we made it five years, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm going uh, <laughs> to take a week off from emails. <laughs> hey, that's not and bad. I got to say, man, taking a, wake up, a week off from emails was, man, that was something else. It gotcha. was so weird at first. But after like day four, I was like, oh, wow, I could really get used to this. Gotcha. And then Amir, you took a vacation last week. Did you, uh, did you try to stay away from email as well? Yeah, as best I could, but it went pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, but the entire time he was, he was driving or traveling, he was face or Facebook messaging us. Hey guys, (laughs) miss you. (laughs) That's just, that's just how good of company we actually are though. Gotcha. We're incredible people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and, and incre- incredibly humble apparently too <laughs> yeah. I was constantly so, sending them video clips and uh, <laughs> yeah we're we're weird like that so, yeah. so Matt when's your vacation scheduled uh, end of August so oh, uh, yeah, not too far not, not too far away and uh, I'll be I'll be bothering them while I'm sitting on a beach somewhere yes so. T- taking pictures of your feet in the sand with a beer and saying uh, glad you're not here. Yeah, I'm actually giving my liver a break until then. Um, I kind of went a little too hard in July, and uh, I, uh, I I want to I want to go in fresh. 
for let it let it heal up again. I don't yeah. think Matt ever recovered from Creative South. He's just <laughs> we broke him. Pity and drink. No, no, you you just stirred the beast that was always inside of me. It, was, it just lays dormant every once in a while. So. What was so funny about Creative South is Matt lost his voice like the first night we went out. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and he's doing everything to conserve his voice. He's he's being good. He's drinking tea. And while me and Amir are just being scumbags, just <laughs> pounding liquor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny too because after we did our talk, and then like we got, um, so I, we maintained. Uh, well, I maintained my voice uh, by the time we actually got on stage, and then we got <clears> off. I mean, and like it was my like my no, my normal self came out, you know, like when we were on stage and some of the people that we had met like throughout the course of the few days before leading up to that, like only knew me as like subdued Matt because I was like trying to conserve my voice and I got off stage. So like, wait, where have you been this whole time? Like, yeah. like, like <laughs> we want, we want this Matt. yeah. I, and I think that, yeah, by the, by that night it was, it was just full on. Like, <laughs> yeah. But before that he had been in the corner drinking tea with honey just looking totally lame the whole yeah. So, so Matt, was your pinky up in the air while you were drinking yes. the tea, just to look fancier? Uh, no, I was just trying to hide because I knew that if I if I uh, if I had one more drink, it would just be game over. And the last thing I want to do is bum out Mike at Creative South by him, you know, him having us out and and then me not being able to speak. It just looks terrible. But you know, <laughs> we, we made it through, and it's it's all good. Yeah. It yes. went so fast as well with like, I think my, my throat's a little bit <clears throat> fucked. And then <laughs> like five minutes later, I can't talk anymore. Oh, it yeah. Just, yeah. It went so fast. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> yeah, that, w- that was my huge fear the entire time. Uh, was that I was going to lose my voice before I had to get up on stage. So. <laughs> well, Matt was living your nightmare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, Matt, I heard you. You can say fuck if you want to. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I, I heard you it. edit yourself Thank there. God. We couldn't say it on Diane's show. We really fucked it up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Matt I was, was the one who was going to be like the, the adult, the dad, and he was the uh-huh. one who cursed. Yeah, yeah, I said it first, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Pretty bad. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you, you, you can say whatever you want on here. It's like I've been trying. I've been trying. I, for the longest time, I was always trying to be uh, pretty uh, mindful of my cursing, to, you know, around my kids. And, uh, and oh, I still do that one. Oh man, <laughs> lately it's been really bad, like really bad. And my my oldest uh, just came in saying uh, she said fucking. And, oh. uh, and I was like, oh, no. And nope. I, I just, I just pointed at my wife, like, this is all your fault, you know? Like, well, but, you see the correlation here. Matt stopped drinking, and now he's cursing around his yeah. kids. <laughs> I know. I do. Yeah. All right. All right. You, you've got to let that rage out somehow. Uh, I'm picking up a six-pack on the way home. <laughs> his house is just, they're just cursing like sailors because he stopped drinking. I know. <laughs> Dad, you're not the same. You're an asshole. Go get some drinks. <laughs> Matt, how old are your kids? Uh, five and seven. Five and seven? Okay, so yeah, about the same age as my kids. My, I've got twin seven-year-olds. And oh. then John and yours are, yeah. I have, a, um, I have a five-year-old, which is about to be six, which is crazy mm-hmm. to say, and also a one-and-a-half-year-old. Which is crazier because they all look so much older than five years old. Like... Yeah, she does. Like if she stood next to Zoe, they would look at the same age. Yeah. 
No, she's tall. Gotcha. So, and, and then Amir, you don't have any kids that you know of, right? Not that I know of, no. They're, <laughs> floating, they're floating around somewhere. Yeah, one, somewhere. Or one or two. <laughs> one or two. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get a letter from the courts in the mail later. <laughs> yes. They're toddlers with full black beards. <laughs> <laughs> full blown ISIS members somewhere. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not laughing about uh, yeah, that. Like, I'm, I'm mute, mute, mute. Yeah. <laughs> Were we supposed to talk about design? Yeah. I don't know how to respond to that. I think we went way off the rails. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I think let's get back to the design. That that's would be, gonna be a first, That's going to be a first. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely will be a first. <laughs> so, how? Yeah, just I'm not even going to try to segue. Just getting back on the rails there. <laughs> um, you know, when you all started working together, how did you kind of define your roles? Because you know, Matt, you said that you know you were a creative director for you know. The, Record, doing record stuff and then now you're doing more of the business side stuff um at forefathers so how, how did each of you kind of grow into and define your roles well I'll start with you man. that was that was a um that was a hard thing and we um we didn't really think about defining roles for a long time and a couple years back well no about a year and a half back we um we started doing business coaching with uh with uh, a man named jason bloomer and that's one thing he he brought up was uh you guys need to clearly define your roles because he interviewed um John and he inter- interviewed me separately and he was like, what, you know, what do you do? What are your likes? What are your dislikes? What about John and do you really admire? What, what would you like him to change? You know, stuff like stuff like that. And when he put the, he put all the notes together and came back to us, you know, after that, he was like, you guys need to clearly define your roles. And we're like, what do you mean? He's like, well, Matt, you work on, on these projects you know, from start to finish and John and works on these projects from start to finish. And you just guys are working parallel with each other. And he's like, why don't you guys start to merge them? So you guys are working, you know, together on all projects. And it just made sense. I mean, it, and it wasn't anything like, okay, John, and you take this and I'll take this. It was, it was literally like whoever responded to the email first sort of thing, you know? And, sure. uh, and we, we quickly learned that when we worked together on projects, not only did the projects um, have better results, but it was a lot more fun. And it was, and it helped us grow because we were bouncing ideas off each other. We were, um, we were really like engaged on the whole thing um, from start to finish. And even though we were working parallel to each other, we were always CC'd on each other's email and chiming in back and forth. But now that we've merged them all together, it, it's, it's made it easier. And in, in that we, you know, define, okay, what is our strengths and what, are, you know, what do we want to do? Like I was, I was getting out of design, like, like web design um, and not finding as much joy in it as John was. And so, and, and he, and so, I took the lead on more uh, front-end development uh, of his designs, and um, and that just worked way better. Um, I know it took a little bit for Johnny to get used to it because he did like doing the front-end stuff, but uh, 
sure. He, it's it's his it, you know the design is such his strong suit that it just put, putting all the focus on that just made sense. Gotcha. And then John, and what about you? I mean, how did it how did it work for you when you went in and? Kind of that's that's kind of how it works. For me, it was okay. I've got these two skill traits. I, I love to do design, but I also love to do front end coding. But I could tell that if I had this big, huge web design project that maybe lasted eight weeks, boom, there's eight weeks that I wasn't doing front end coding. Sure. And then when I get back in there, it's like, oh, I'm kind of rusty. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm slacking. And as we all know, front end in no way has slowed down on the development no. has only gotten way more intense than what it used to be. Used to, you used to be able to juggle, I think a lot easier with design and code. Uh-huh. Um, I know there's guys that still do it and I'm sure there's purists that say, no, if you're going to design, you always have to know how to code. But I'm out of that loop now. I, I had to get out of it because I could see it kind of suffering and I could see myself just something was going to give, especially sure. with how devoted I was being towards web design. So it became pretty apparent that, okay, I need to stick with just web design, responsive web design, and staying in basically design prototype of websites instead of trying to develop. And once that happened, it, it kind of just busted open the window of, oh, wow, I can devote every second of my time to just so, so you're on. not splitting yourself in <clears throat> exactly like i'm not leading two different lives type of thing that's that that thing with uh develop that like web designers should be able to code that never made any sense to me at all oh thank you for saying well that. here's the here's the thing with that is that i it, used to be one of those guys i used to think that i think i think it's um i think that you have if you are a web designer you you definitely need you need to understand the fundamentals of of development so you that's can, true so you can you can build a website that's actually going to work in the yeah, front but, end you know yeah but that goes the same for 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 like uh, brand designers they need to know how the brand should be applied to signs and to throughout the brand like any print material but they don't have to know how to print if that makes sense. Yeah, so I'm I'm with I'm with Amir on this is you know because in my role I have to be jack of all trades and mm. like I understand coding. Um, I, I went back and did a online certificate course through Rutgers to learn how to code, and I haven't touched it in three and a half years, so it's all you know left me behind. But I, I, I definitely agree you have to understand how it works, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be able to do it. Yeah, no. Knowing the, sorry, go ahead. That's what I was getting at. Having a loose understanding will, you can make decisions kind of faster in your design saying, okay, I know, I know how that's possible. I might not know how to make that exact thing work or function, but I know that it's possible. So I'm going to design it like somebody knows how to do it. We'll be able to take it and make that function. Yeah. Gotcha. So, <clears throat> Excuse me, as I choke on my coffee there. Um, no problem. So, you know, getting to you, Amir, you know, you you do the branding and kind of illustration side of things, um, and and then for you know tax purposes and things like that, you know, 
on paper, <laughs> you're not named in the partnership, but for all intents and purposes, you are. Yeah, exactly. You know, how, how, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, how does that work? Um, are you still, you know, picking up stuff on your own that's just yours or you know do you just bring everything in now as well rarely do i do that but it happens from time to time when there's especially like local things here sure uh it's hard to say yeah sure i'm just gonna bring you into uh this company i'm working with two guys from the states and they're gonna manage the project in english via email uh with you and that would be just weird so sometimes I get a Swedish gig, but it's where uh, that I take on by myself. Or old return clients is also <laughs> the same thing. Uh, it's hard to tell them like, okay, now you've worked with me on like three, four projects, but now I have to reel you in here. Uh, and these guys are going to manage it. So sometimes like old return clients I work with in, in the past a lot, uh, I just stick with those. Okay. And right now, I'm actually doing the biggest project in my entire career ever. Uh, but that this, came through. This is the one that has uh, caused you to have to actually live in the normal world of seeing daytime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it stinks. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, my office buddy. He uh, he runs a summer club, so he can't work as much. During the summer, he's also a graphic designer, a brand identity designer, an illustrator. So he sure. can't take on as much work in the summer as he normally can. And he normally just declines everything. But mm. this was such a huge client that he couldn't turn it down. So he asked me to help him out. And we've been working on it over the summer. So, yeah, uh, this is one that I couldn't bring into Forefathers because I'm fourth in line. There's me, him. And there's a freelance art director working towards an agency in Stockholm, working towards mm. uh, the client in North America. So, yeah, uh, this one I'm doing without the forefathers. Sadly, I would love to have them on board to sort of steer the ship right. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, it, it's a good experience in many ways, but it's, it made me realize how good we have it and forefathers like it is it can be frustrating when you're used to having people behind the wheel sure who can handle things uh in a certain way and then you're you have to sort of let go and let go of all the control and just be uh, a little monkey with a pencil <laughs> so it, it, yeah, hey, sometimes it's, it's fun to just be the monkey with the pencil yeah sometimes <laughs> <laughs> So, so you mentioned, you know, to, to kind of have somebody running project management. Matt, is that kind of what has morphed into your primary role is where you act as project manager for everything and um, oversee it? Or do you divvy it up based on the relationships with clients? Um, it, it kind of goes both ways. Uh, you know, I, I have been doing a lot more of the fielding of uh, projects and, and, and the vetting uh, process. Um, as far as project management goes, uh, um, it's a, it's kind of a yes or no. It's a, you know, kind of, I, I do do a lot of that, but it's also project by project because some of the projects we are working on are with, uh, clients that, you know, 
uh, are working directly with John because it's strictly design. Um, sure. And we like the one thing with Forefathers is because we are a smaller agency, um, you get more of a personal touch with us. So we're like all three of us are in the loop most of the time. So project or projects never need like just one person being the liaison. It you know like if the client needs to talk to us, like they can feel like they can talk to all three of us instead of just you know one point person. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes it works better if there's just one point person. If like there's a lot of things going on, but uh, like right, and that, that's that's kind of where I was going with that is because you know some clients definitely would rather have one person. So yeah, and I think it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I don't know if John and Amir have picked up on this, but um, we. We like to keep it intimate. We don't like to, to farm out work to, you know, people, um, you know, it, it, it sometimes become necessary if, you know, it's something like, you know, let's say someone came to us for video content. Like we don't, the three of us don't do video content. And like, so we would, you know, hire out for that or we're, you know, we're not into uh, big e-commerce platforms, but we work with some developers that do. So, sure. you know, we'll, we'll reach out and, you know, work with them. I found that that works way better as far as a personal uh, relationship with our clients that we do um, have on board, where they feel like they're getting. Um, oh shoot! I'm getting called on. <laughs> Sorry. And we thought it was going to be a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, we feel that we uh, you know the clients you know when they get us and they you know they can see that it's all three of us working they feel like they're connected to all three of us and it becomes more of like a family unit um but i've also seen on the adverse of that is that when you do say that we are a, a three-man team people look at it as like oh you guys are only three people like how can you possibly take on this enormous gig you know it's like well first of all it's not that enormous and second like we can you know very capable of doing it but people have this misconception that like because we are smaller um though we choose to be smaller we're not capable as of as much you know sure. well, well let me ask you a question about that when when you get clients like that how do you try to educate them and say no no this is something that three people are capable of and if there's something else that we need to bring somebody in on then we'll definitely do it but you don't need a 50, 100 person firm to do that because in a 50, 100 person firm, it's really still only three people who are working mm-hmm. on that. Project. I think they, I think they kind of quickly realize when we, when we first have our conversation with them, they're like, Oh wait, it's just, it's just you guys pushing out this work. And we're like, yeah, I mean, it's, that's what we're doing. Um, I think it becomes pretty apparent. And sure. I think that I, I don't know. I think I think being on the small side really gives people a sense of ease because that's where when I'm sh- I don't really have that much personal experience working with a really big agency, but I would feel like that's really just kind of I don't know. I guess it could get it it could cause anxiety within your project, I think. I think having that personal touch of saying right. I'm going to I'm going to reach out to this my little core team and I'm going to get the answer that I'm looking for type of thing. That's where it's gotcha. really staying small has really, really 
benefited us in a lot of ways, especially with client relationships, because when we come out the other end of a project, we're way more invested in these people's and our clients' lives than we were from day one. And I'm not right. sure, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure if that, if big agencies can create that type of relationship. I'm, I'm sure they can, but to what extent, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I mean, granted, so I work in the same industry, but the company that I work for is not in the industry. And, you know, we're, we're a fairly large engineering firm and it's, you know, 11 offices, 1200 people. Um, but the relationships that our clients have with the project managers and things like that, it's, you know, it, it tends to be more one-on-one um, at the initial phases. And then when it gets into working on the project, it gets a lot bigger. And I think that's where you run into those problems of communication, mm-hmm. you know, and things yeah. getting done by committee and problems with that, that can get scary. Yep. That's where I think that just keeping it with the core through the entire process is really, it's the only way we know. Sure. I, I don't know. We don't know any other way, but yeah. I think, I think it has some major benefits that come cool. along with it, but it also has some cons that come with it too. Cause when, it, <laughs> cause when you got, you know, a, a major fucking problem on your hands, whether it be something went wrong or you you didn't account for something or, you know, who knows, you know, things happen. It's, it's, it's in your hands. You can't pass the buck. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, having, having worked with, you know, Jason and, uh, on that business coaching side of, you know, kind of getting back to talking about that, has, has he helped you, you know, kind of clarify how, what might be a good way and offer suggestions on how to handle stuff like that? He, this is kind of hard to to sum up quickly, but <laughs> I got time. <laughs> the the the, cl- the clarity that I think he his his coaching brought us was invaluable. Um, we really realized I mean, it goes farther than it went a lot farther than um, valued pricing or finding your role or things like that. It it helped communication between us as just people that work together sure. where there's never something that goes unspoken ever, 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 no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how, you know, we're feeling that day we're, we're the honesty between us three is sometimes a bit scary. I'm sure you can, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but it's, it has to be that way. And, um, that's, that's how, we continue to grow. And also I think he, he taught us a lot about getting over personal fears that we had. I know specifically I had one, I, you know, I'm pretty, for the most part, I'm not a real extroverted person. I'm sure I'm just not that way. So I have to be kind of urged and pushed to go and be extroverted. And especially with, when it comes to, forefathers because i was always the guy who was like you know the work does the talking nobody wants to hear a damn thing we have to say as people you know forget about that (laughs) 
and which is not the case. You know, Jason was just like, dude, you got to get, you got to get over that shit. That's not, people want to hear from you and they, and they want to, because you know things that they might not know. And so you need to, to talk about, you need to share everything you possibly can, whether it be your struggles, your fears, your accomplishments, share it all, you know, lay it all out there. And I think in, in those ways are where it really, really benefits us. Gotcha. Matt, Matt, what was, was your take fairly similar on that? Yeah. I mean, the John and you know, him saying that, that we, you know, we don't, there isn't anything that goes unspoken like that. That is totally true. I mean, and Jason really helped us that. And like I said, in the earlier, in this conversation, like he, he sat us down, um, separate of each other to kind of go over like, you know, any, any concerns or issues that we might have with each other. And I, sure. I didn't have any real issues with John, but there were things about how we were running things that were, um, or how we were working together was like, I wish they were a little, a little bit different. And he opened that up and he was like, he just like threw it out on the table, like on our next conversation. He, hey guys, this is what I took away from this. Let's talk about it. And, and it wasn't even that weird. And throughout the conversation, like John and I can, we can talk about pretty much anything and it's, and neither of us are going to get butthurt about what the other person is saying, you know, like it, mm -hmm. it, it is what it is. And we had a very, I don't know if John remembers this, but like we had a very um, serious conversation, like very, very early on in Forefathers about money that like I didn't even mm -hmm. think about. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with I was coming from like a salary gig into a freelance world. And so like, he laid it down like, hey, dude, we need this to come in now. Like we can't fuck around at all. And, I, and, and, and like that was the first time anyone else has sat me down like, and like, like legitimately talked to me about like money and like the flow of money coming in. And, uh, and I you knew right then, coming in and going out. Yes. Yeah, like I knew right then and there that we could have that conversation, um, and like you know, and him be stern with me, but like only to better the company. And I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't get offended by that. I didn't get like, I didn't like take anything negative around that. But it made it opened my eyes. Like, a we need to, we money coming in <laughs> first and foremost, <laughs> and B this dude trusts me enough to like have this conversation where like. Like it's a very uncomfortable conversation, but he just laid it out there, and like, dude, I have utmost respect for him. So that like, Jason kind of fosters that a little bit more, like you know, in allows us to have that openness, and that really plays through in the fact that all three of us live so far away from each other. Like we have to be open. Like if I'm fucking up, I need someone to tell me I'm fucking up. And, uh, and I'm not going to get hurt if they tell me, you know, so. Gotcha. So Amir, this, this most recent round, you know, you were brought in cause we talked early on that, you know, the first conversation with Jason was with just Matt and Jondon. And then this round you, you, uh, jumped in on the conversation. What was your take on things? Oh, it was, uh, I, it was, uh, it was fantastic. It was nothing like I had expected it to be. And yeah, I, I, I loved it. We talked a lot about how we could, we talked a lot about how we could change our image 
uh, reeling in big fish, which is something that we just mentioned that we've always been sort of mom and pop and we're sort of looking at maybe not being that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was the sort of conversation we had with him. And we also did separate interviews uh, beforehand. And he, he's just a very cool, easygoing guy. He's really sure. easy to talk to. And a lot of the stuff he says makes a lot of sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I never had business coaching before. So it was a new experience for me. It was really cool. Well, it, it's, I mean, I've never had it either. It sounds very much almost like, uh, like couples therapy, but for the business side of things, is, yeah. was that kind of how uh, I you, mean, you yes. did it? I mean, you can relate it a lot to marriage. I mean, we all, I mean, at the end of the day, marriage is, that's a business decision. I mean, <laughs> I think it is. Sure. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of emotions especially, that are involved. Especially but, in today's day and age. Yeah. You're still making a business decision. So it, the, the correlation is actually pretty similar in keeping that healthy, especially with guys that don't work in an office together and half thousand miles of, of distance apart, having a mediator to bring us together is, is really, really vital. It's, it's almost become something that is absolutely necessary. In fact, I almost kind of kicked myself. Well, it's not that I kicked myself, but I, I wish that we would have had it in those first early stages of sure. forefathers. It would have probably it probably would have put a light on a lot of things that we needed early on, but Hey, you live in, you learn in, in those trials really, really tested yeah. us. And that was good. But yeah, it's, I think for us, I, it's probably not for everybody who knows, but for us, it, it really, really benefits us. Gotcha. So when you were doing, you know, this latest session, were there things that, you know, when the separate interviews, y'all talked about things mm-hmm. and then when y'all came together, you found out that you all are kind of dealing with the same issue of, Hey, we each have a problem with this, but we hadn't talked about it before. Um, I think there was one instance where I was getting at that time, we hadn't really implemented our ideas over revision strategy. And I was just getting just plastered with revisions from clients. (laughs) And I was just, I was just kind of losing my mind. Like why, why can't, you know, why can't, this client see what I'm, I'm trying to get them to an island and it's like they're kind of standing in the way saying, no, 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 that's not what I wanted type of thing. And I was just, I was really getting very, very upset by that. And especially when it happens, you know, two, three or four times, sure. it's just like maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's not really the client. It's, it's how we're approaching that problem. And so I kind of had to step back and Jason kind of had to talk me off the ledge and say, first of all, dude, you are internalizing this way too much. You need to stop doing that and you need mm-hmm. to set something up to where you can say at first we started with no revisions because I was coming in from a place of hurt. <laughs> but <laughs> after we fleshed that out, I was like, no, 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 that's not going to work. That's not going to work. So we had to approach that differently. But that was kind of one of the things where, was where I was not meaning to take it personally, but it, it when it was affecting work that we could show or not show and just say, you know, we don't feel confident in this. And now we're just trying to finish it. Mm-hmm. That, it, that doesn't inadvertently affect me personally because it affects our portfolio. It's like a chain reaction type of thing. Sure. So that for me, that first session was kind of him saying, okay, you need to broaden what you, what you're saying to people. You need to, 
you need to let all of this stuff out and, and kind of put them under the umbrella with you and say, you know, hey, I, this is where we're going and we're going to lead you there. And what's the best way to say that? How's, and it's like defining your core values. We have our core values, but how do we say it to people to where it really resonates with them? That's sure. kind of the – that's the trick. Gotcha. So – and and we'll we'll get to the revision thing in a second because I do want to talk about that. But Matt, when you're talking to these clients and you know trying to explain stuff to them, how are you approaching? I'm trying to figure out the right word. How are you approaching the strategy for what y'all are going to do for them to match up with their business strategy? Well, we do. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, so I guess, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, because at a certain point you have to act as a business coach for them, much the way that Jason is for you, just in a different kind of arena. Yeah. And that, that took a long time for us to get to that certain, that, that area. And it's in, in, it's constantly evolving. Um, we, we start with a really um, straightforward questionnaire that like that that gets down to the nit and gritty of what the company is, you know, and sure. and then it, it it is immediately followed up with a phone call because it can't we can't know you know the ins and outs of the company just by reading a, a one page document, you know. So we like to to get into the heart of it with them. And John and uh, dubbed the phrase emotional audit. And that's like, we, we really, really dive into the project and, and make them, you know, make the client, the, a lot of times the client will come to us wanting one thing, but not realizing they could, they could really use, you know, two other things or sure. wanting one thing, but maybe these other two things over here are way more important than what they came to us for. So we, we talk to them about all the different things that we could offer them or what we think. And it's not like an upsell. It's more like what we personally think, you know, could this project could benefit from having this instead of that or. Sure. So do you kind of pitch them of, yeah, I understand this is what you came to us for what you wanted, but here's what we think you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is, lot, is that how it kind of works? Yes. And uh, Jason really kind of, um, that was one of the things he worked on us early on about with our proposal building is giving them, giving the client options. Because sometimes the client, though they're coming to you for a website design, they're not even thinking branding. You know, they've had a brand, they have had their brand set in stone or they had, you know, their uncle do it like five years ago and it's been good enough sort of thing, you know? Um, but, and they just, it's like out of sight, out of mind. It's just, it's just there. So we'll include that in our proposal and um, along with a couple other things where they're like, oh, well, I didn't even think about that. That makes total sense. Like I should be doing this as, as well. Um, so um, a lot of the times it's it's broken down in our proposal, like what we can offer, what they asked for originally, and then two other options of what like what we also could do. And sometimes they ask for us something that's, you know, like if we're giving them three options, like they ask for us the middle option, but we also give them a smaller and then a bigger as well, just to kind of show them like what, what is capable. I mean, what we can do. Also so, something. Sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. 
No, no, no. You go. Ahead. I was just gonna say. Also, something we've been moving away from is uh, this is something recent where we had multiple concepts done for clients, and we keep falling back into feeling like this is dog shit. Why are we always? We know which one works. We know which direction is the best one. Why are we presenting two fillers? Because in like that's actually what what it is. Mm -hmm. You're always wishing like, please pick this one. But they paid for three concepts, so we have to show these two as well. We could live with this one. We definitely don't want them to pick this one, but this one is the one we want. So we we started talking about like we're we should be selling them the best thing. That's mm -hmm. that's our job to give them the best possible outcome, and. That's something we've been starting to work towards is more, more footwork, more research, more, uh, sort of, we're building the foundation a lot more with the client now than we used to. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. That's, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. So oh. <laughs> it worked out well. Cause, yeah. and I want to tie that into the, you know, revision thing because if you're giving them multiple options of concepts, then you're, at least from – I don't know how to phrase it, but you're almost opening them up for the opportunity to say, no, we need revisions on this. And can you take this from part A and this from part B exactly. and this little piece over here from part C and put it to Frankenstein it together? Yep. And that's, that's such an old school mentality of shit. Like, you know, I just I – just, anytime a, a client comes to me like, yeah, we want to see five to six options. I just – imagine – a dude in a giant uh, conference room at the one end of the table and there's nobody in there and he's just, you know, fat cat in it, like, give me 600 options and I'm going to pick the best one. It's like, dude, you don't need fucking 600 options. You need one, you know, yeah. like, and you need to, and, and dude, branding is hard from, from a client perspective because you you're never a hundred percent satisfied be, uh, like right up front because it's brand new it's yours sure. it, like you like i don't think i've ever been in a situation where i was presented something that i was working on and like i was like holy shit that is exactly what i want but then but over like you know I, if i sit with it for a day or a week i'm like the more I appreciate it, the more I look at it, the more I'm like drilled in on it and like admiring it. And then it start. And then when I see it on applications or being applied to certain things, then it starts to be like, Oh, this is okay. Now I get it. Yeah. This is amazing. You know, but a lot of times clients, they, they it's just their need, darn it. Uh, their knee jerk <laughs> reaction that like they need, um, uh, they want to see a million different things just so that, you know, they can, they can point to the one that like really strikes them and it, it never works. You know, they, they, it, it, they always want to revise one of them, even if there's 600 of them. Right. Well, I think part of that comes from people's need for immediacy. Like they want to see something and they want to make the decision right then and there. Yeah. It's, Instead it comes, of, yeah, go ahead. So. It comes from a lot of places and, oh my God, I've spent so much time thinking about this. And where I finally landed was people look at what we're creating for them as a singular 
experience. Like it's created just for them, just for their needs, just for their tastes, and everything is perfect to them. When really, it's there's like all of your customers standing in the room with you looking at it. It's not. In fact, you're the. In a lot of ways, you're kind of the least important of this this decision. Sure. I mean, yes, it's your business. Yes, you know, hopefully the ins and outs of your business, but. When the design isn't all about you. It's not all about what your tastes are, what you think is the best approach. That's why it takes a team to get to that island. You know, we're mm-hmm. all trying to get to the same island, but it's not just you who's going to be there. There's going to be a whole lot of other people, and they're going to have a whole bunch of needs. And so we sure. have to figure that out. And I think that's where clients, there's a, there's a really big disconnect especially if clients haven't had design work before is they kind of look at it like a, um, kind of like a tattoo, like, Oh, this is my tattoo. You know, it's, I'm the one living with this when it's really, it's, it's not like a, um, it's not just, just for them. It's an experience that a whole lot of people are going to have to experience with you. Sure. So, you know, speaking of that experience and, you know, there's and and you mentioned this earlier on, Jonathan. Of uh, there's, uh, you know, when the whole revision thing came about, you were you were having an emotional response to something that happened. When you're offering up things to clients and they're seeing stuff, they're having an emotional response, mm-hmm. whether they're aware of it or not. And you know, I, I I think you know all of us being creatives, we do as objective as we try to be with our work and. You know, trying to offer there is that emotional connection. How have you guys tried to, I, I, I guess, distance yourself and be more objective? Where well, you're... it's really hard because when a client first comes to you, they always they have. A, I mean, they need help. That's why they're here. Somebody right. needs help with something, and collectively, years of experience between us or for from any team says, "Okay, I can help you." We can help you, but it might not be in the exact way that you think, and that's what years of experience brings. I'm sorry. What was the original question? I started thinking, and I completely dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so but, uh, I think I can boil it down into a better nutshell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're presenting work, so you have an emotional connection yes. with it. You're presenting it to a client who has an emotional to what they have already established and what their company is mm-hmm. and, and possibly, you know, may have an adverse emotional reaction to what really is best for them. Yeah. That's the hardest part is when, I think because you're trying to help them and you know how to help them, mm-hmm. but they're kind of standing in the way of that progress, whether it be from a fear based decision, whether it be from uh, their personal taste getting in the way uh, the way, it's there's a lot of moving factors, but all of it comes down to I think is the client not being able to see their their growth through a visitor's eyes or their their customer's eyes, and it's a really weird spot to put yourself in. We've had to do it ourselves with forefathers. Was saying okay, this is the type of design that we like, but maybe it's a little too progressive and out there for people who are just trying to simply find good work. And that's something that we struggle with a lot. 
And it's the more that we do this, I think helping clients go, okay, you have a problem. Let's put our emotions to the side for a second. Everybody in the room, put your emotion to the side and let's look at, let's look at this from your, your perfect customer, your perfect visitor. What do you want them to experience? And that's how I think everybody has to look at it. And of course, emotions get involved because we're all passionate. You know, the pizza owner's passionate about it, the way his site's going to look online or how his brand is going to look on the pizza box. And we're passionate well, damn it, about it. Now you've made me hungry for pizza. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> and of course, we're going to be passionate and about in a motive about how that looks on our end because it's a reflection on us too. Sure. But we can't let results get weighed. Uh, we can't let those emotions get in the way of those results and they can very easily on both parties and it's happened it's it's happened a lot and that's why we kind of said okay we have to approach revisions differently than how we've done in the past because we have seen things that could have been great get kind of trampled on from revisions and when it goes live there's a bounce rate that's through the roof there's all sorts of things i'm not i don't want to point fingers but there were decisions on both sides to where it really muddled with the with the results, and we just can't. It, do it that. was a mirror's fault. <laughs> it was all a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let, it, let's talk about that. Sorry, go ahead. I hope that makes sense. I, I know no, it's kind of yeah. I, I understand it. I understand it completely. So when y'all were coming up with the no revision thing, what without like calling people out. Mm-hmm. Was there a specific incident that was just the straw that broke the camel's back? And yes. It was like, oh, yeah. I, I won't even say what it was for. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say what it was for, who it was for, or even the shade of that, and I won't say when it was. But there was a moment where I had been designing something for, I think it was close to about seven or eight days. I have this thing where I, you know, when I present, I think when any of us present something, it's not the first presentation. It's just how far we got to where we feel 90% comfortable showing the client. Sure. I have a personal philosophy. I say it's shit until round six. Round six isn't even, that's when things just start looking good. So if I present something, you're probably seeing like version 20 of that thing. And yeah. and what's crazy is that like, the, the I think one of the last things John worked on, he was like at, like version 15 or something and i was like holy shit dude six was amazing and like i would have presented six in a second and then he was like nope not good enough and but by 16 i was like ah now i see exactly where your head's at with this like it's it, it, it's funny to see that progression like on the you know being behind the curtain and watching it just because like I'm sure the client would have loved six, but they they are going to, to adore sixteen. You know, like sure. it's it's well it, that hopefully. Yes. But that's the thing is I was the the instance that I'm speaking of. I was I think I was at like twenty, and I finally hit it. I, I landed in a spot that I was like, "Fuck yeah, this is it. This is the one. They're gonna lose it." And I presented it, and it was just like they couldn't have torn it more into. And it was, I just sat there thinking, 
this is all wrong. All of this is wrong. Every decision that's being made right now is wrong. And mm-hmm. now I'm, we're in the, in the uncomfortable position of saying, take it or leave it. And it sh- of course, we didn't say that, but that's, that's the way I felt was, okay, what would you like to see? What would you like to see? And that's never a question that should even be brought up. What would you like to see? It's like, hold on. You're one little piece of this big puzzle. Of course, we want to know what you would like to see, but you're not the only, you're not the only person in the room. There's all your visitors and clients and customers again. So it was that instance. And we've been, I mean, we're no strangers to revisions. We've been dealing with it for years. We've been trying to find the, the way that it works for us. Sure. And that was the moment where it was just like, this is all fucked up. This has got to be. Collectively, you have 30 years of revisions in our bag. So. <laughs> but but there's, there's also a time when, re- when revisions make sense. And one thing that we try to educate our clients about is that uh, it's not that we're opposed to the revisions. It's does this revision is this revision going to to benefit or is it going to improve or is it going to um, change positively mm-hmm. the outcome of this project? Yeah, because like, we've had many projects where the client suggested something. It was like, oh, wait, that maybe we didn't run with that exact idea, but just planting that seed was great. But then we've also had revisions where it's just like, this is just vanity at this point. And it's sure. killing the project. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of um, you know designers, when they read that or first saw the initial thing of no revisions, they were like, mm. hell yes, no revisions. Tell them to, you know, but I think what they may not take into account, because the first time I saw it and just skimmed over the blog post and I hadn't read through the little guide that you guys put together, um, I was like, yeah, no revisions. That, that's going to make, you know, designer's jobs so much easier but in a in a way it does the opposite of it makes your job harder but in a good way where you have to put in more work and more front end to get to a point where you can present things to a client and say this is the right solution for you Mm -hmm. and and, you know this is why it works exactly and that doesn't that that's where i think that we never wanted to be um misunderstood with this is because it doesn't, it doesn't let us off the hook. It puts us more on the hook Yeah, because it's saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you happy. Of course I want you to be happy, but I'm not designing just for you and your needs and in your tastes. If I was sure. doing that, my job would be way easier, way easier. I would just sit here and say, okay, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like an a la carte <laughs> like, <laughs> like buffet or something where it's, it's just not appetizing at all for anybody except for the person making the demands. And so we have to sit here. That's why it, it might take 20 versions to get it right. It, it, you know, it's, it's being revised in the process. There's, I have to flesh out a lot of terrible ideas before I say, okay, this is what it needs. This is what has to happen. This is what's going to get good results. And it doesn't happen immediately. So do you think during this process and coming up with this thing, it's also forced you guys to have to 
be better communicators with your clients? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and that and that revision, um, I mean that you know that revision clause, that declaration that John and, and uh, you know us we wrote collectively, they like it. That was revised, <laughs> and and I mean that it's funny because the the first time John had put that out there and wrote it, um, it was it was written by John Den the like like with that fire in his gut like uh, where like you just asked was there a moment where like you were just like all right fuck it i'm done you know i'm not doing this anymore like he wrote it like almost immediately after or like you know very like with that feeling in his gut and and it and the writing reflected that and it was it was it was harsh it was negative and it was like it was what designers wanted to hear but it wasn't what our clients wanted to hear and we actually gave it to one of our clients that we admire and respect and um and he we had a like he didn't he didn't get back to us right away and like and we're like yeah okay it's kind of weird but were, were you like oh okay or were you like oh shit this was a mistake <laughs> no but like we were if, if it was a different kind of client maybe we'd be like oh shit but i was like man maybe he didn't like it but then he came back with it he's like let's jump on a call to discuss this and he fucking broke it down like he was like do you really mean this or you know maybe you should you know phrase it like this because this is how i took away you know this is what i took away from it and it was such an awesome conversation to hear it from not like he has nothing to do with forefathers other than like he was a client you know sure and a really awesome client but like he doesn't you know he's not calling the shots but he like he really laid it out on the table and uh made us made us think like oh you know he's right like this is this got a negative tone and my like I wanted my wife to proofread it. She um, she's a marketing director, and she's a uh, but she's also got um, her background comes in writing um, from college and whatnot. So I wanted her to read it just to you know proofread it and make sure it, it uh, read correctly. And I was afraid to give it to her because she hires creatives for her job, and I I, I just knew that you know she would read it and 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 think it was negative. So when John and re rewrote it it like it like spoke more to the client as opposed to to uh, the creatives and uh it just came off way friendlier we're not friendlier but more positively like we're working with you instead of against you kind of thing and uh right and well i think there's that i think the way that it's written there is a nice twist in you know you put out this statement that is in your face and almost abrasive with the first sentence and then the next sentence, you're like, but here's why. And, and you you soften it and make it understandable and relatable. And you put it in the client's wheelhouse of, we know that you're going to want to do this. And we're not opposed to doing revisions. Mm-hmm. But revisions have to make sense. They have to. And I think, I think just taking that stance really eases a lot of anxiety from clients. Kind of saying, okay, they've kind of taken the the weight of my worry off of my back because the client shouldn't be worried about, you know, is this is this going to be the right move? 
it, when you're when you're in, when you're halfway through the project and the client is having like second doubt or like doubt of any kind, that's not good. Yeah, that's not a good place. To that's come not from. a good place at all. And I think every client or every designer has been there, and it's it's a way of saying, look, we're going to give this with every ounce of integrity, you know, w- whatever you want to call it, we're going to give it our all for you right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And I know we're just talking about brands and websites. We're not curing cancer or anything like that, but it means a fucking lot to us. It means a lot to us. And you, sure. your results mean everything to us. And we're, we're not going to let you stand in the way of that. And we're not going to stand in the way of it either. Gotcha. So we also we also did a we sort of approached clients differently now after mm-hmm. that where we we sort of instead of asking them like how would you like to be perceived we sort of put that mind put them in that mind state of how do you think your customers want to perceive you so that puts them in a they like oh I didn't, never really thought about that and that ties back into what we talked about earlier like your wants and your desires aren't necessarily what's good for your brand. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing for people to hear. I get it. I get it. Especially with people that with business owners that maybe haven't had the best track record of, of design or branding or they're new to it. It's a very hard, it's a hard kind of pill or truth to swallow, but it, it once they get in that mind frame, they can really start to think differently instead of, instead of kind of their own personal tastes. And, and, and people can get real, really fixated on that really, really quickly. And we've seen things turn really south because of that. And so I think this is kind of our way of, of trying to s- stop that from happening. Gotcha. So I'm going to take another hard transition here because – I don't. I don't know how to follow it up because you. I mean, literally every question I had about it and every thought I had about it, you guys just answered then, especially with that last sentence. Um, cool. So we'll, we'll just dive into you know when we before we even started recording, we talked about how this is kind of a slow time uh, for you, and I'm going to call Matt out because he's got to go pee. <laughs> I don't. I don't have to pee this time. I actually had to leave, but uh, piss yeah. wizard. Oh, okay. I, I used to work with a guy who used to piss like in the office, like right behind me. And like, oh, no. I'm like, dude, are you serious? He's like, I'm on a call. I'm sorry. What, like in a Gatorade <laughs> bottle or something? Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, like a you know, big gold cup or whatever. <laughs> big gold. <laughs> Stop drinking wheat balls then. Dude. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, That's brutal. Well, I, I tell you what. Um, and, and we we can let's give the five uh, the the three minute wrap up of you know when we jumped on the air or before we jumped on the air we were talking about how this is kind of a slow period for y'all mm. um, and, and you know what are y'all doing with that yeah we um, right now we're something that John is not very psyched about what's that we're doing something that you're not too psyched about. But you're still psyched about it, but you're a bit. Oh, yeah. No, well, it's been in the pipe for a while. We got we to gotta create a new website. 
the, the one that we've had up was kind of just a, a placeholder thing. And you know how that ends up, you know, sure. It ends up way long being there way longer than it should. And here's where it really gets hard to be a very small team is when it's just three of us as we're trying to keep the workflow coming in, keep the workflow going out, keep the client mm-hmm. satisfied, keep good projects on the table, keep getting new projects, and then also worry about keeping forefathers as, you know, kind of a, a small little machine going. Mm-hmm. And that's when it gets really difficult. So my my uh, excitement level right now is is not the at its peak of because designing for self is just the hardest fucking thing imaginable. At least uh, I think I it is. I, yeah, I, I do too. So I know what's ahead of me, but it's kind of it's kind of actually ahead of all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would hope so. <laughs> so that's what, yeah, that's one thing that we, we, that's like the, the golden, the golden ray of sunlight that we're trying to reach. But then we've also got, we're in a pretty, I mean, we're, I think we're going to get out of the drought, but we just hit a drought that was pretty major. We've only had one previously that kind of rivaled it. I don't know what's up with this year. I don't know if any other designers are going through it as well, but we definitely From what I've seen, a lot of people are. Really? John had said it had something to do with, uh, or he he heard that it had something to do with uh, being an election year. uh, Oh yeah, election years are horrible for the economy. See, that was that was news to me. Somebody told me that yesterday, and I was like, oh shit, man, that's yeah, maybe there's something to that. Yeah, because every every business, especially major businesses, they wait to make decisions on how things are going to happen until after the election is, because the new administration that's coming in can change how they're going to financially. Plan things. All right, so in December we'll just be backstroking in cash, then, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna start if, designing if you, for this. If, uh, if you get to the Scrooge McDuck level, uh, throw a little bit my way because I need a new car. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can come over into my vault and we can go swimming. I, I, I love that. No, do not go into Matt's vault. Do not go into <laughs> Matt's vault. It's not done. Man. <laughs> But the thing is also that uh, I'm I'm very used to having slow summers. I've had that long before forefathers because well, that's the work. only time people can go outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but it's there's it's nothing out there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's nothing out there. Uh, <laughs> no, but like when you work with mostly like I, I work primarily with branding. And a lot of companies aren't starting up during the summer, sure. or pushing out new products during uh, like industry vacations. So I'm used to it being a bit slow, but not as slow as this year. So I was lucky to have my office buddy bring me on to this big project to keep me busy for the summer. But yeah, it's been extremely slow. I mean, we had like we had days when we've had like five. Different work uh, work inquiries, but they haven't been worth even looking at. It's been like gotcha. the, the typical nickel and dime T-shirt dog shit. So, yeah, it's it's been a weird summer, really. Yeah. So, 
you know, since since Matt has to run, I, you I, guys I, can feel free to continue and talk <laughs> shit about me if you want. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll let you all decide. Um, no, it's, but, it's not as fun if you're not here. Oh, you're so, <laughs> yeah, so, so why don't we wrap this episode up and I'll have you guys back on and hopefully, uh, you know, after uh, you, you've taken a nice dip into your vault of uh, cash mm. um, come December. Yeah, yes. we'll, we'll we'll reconvene, uh, and uh, you know we'll all be on our separate yachts in, in the middle <laughs> of uh, the Mediterranean somewhere, and then uh, we'll... hopefully designing for President Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was completely a joke, by the way. Yeah. But holy shit, you're, does that guy? You're need definitely going to gonna have to do a lot of revisions with that. Oh, one. <laughs> oh no kidding. Yeah, no, dude, it's, it's one color palette. It's gold. That's all. Yeah, this yeah. is true. It's yeah, it's gold and nine thousand point type. Yeah, That's perfect. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> cool. So wrapping up, uh, Matt, I'll let you go first since you got to run away. Thank uh, you. Where can we uh, find uh, you online? Uh, just forefathersgroup.com. dot I mean, you can you can find. I mean, my personal life is just pictures of my kids and stuff. So it's nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing that exciting to the general public, but yeah, you find us at the, uh, forefathersgroup.com. Awesome. Oh, sorry. Forefathersgroup.com. I actually got an email today from someone trying to sell me the forefathersgroup.com. And I was like, dude, why, why would I want to add an extra word into it? <laughs> <That's not enough. laughs> nope. So I guess their business is slow too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This life back hashtag election year. Yes. Yeah. That's what we do. So, uh, John, then you want to plug yourself uh, or do you find yours as boring as uh, Matt finds? Well, I, mine's not as boring. I, <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at forefathersgroup.com uh, <laughs> and John to Jackson, J-O-N-D-E-N. But you can follow all of us. We're very, like I said, we're very interesting, extremely attractive. Um, yeah. This is I'm completely just bullshitting. <laughs> yeah, just find us all on, on Forefathers and follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff if you want. On Instagram, gotcha. on Instagram we, we try not to be so spammy anymore. We, uh, when we were promoting work, we were, we were laughing kind of a couple of months back when we would promote work. It was like, oh, man, do you think people hate us? Because we're kind of showing the same thing like on a feed throughout the day. My girlfriend hates us. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're trying to like scale back a little, or at least show different different pieces at different times. So sure. So yeah, if you're worried about Instagram uh, spamming, we're not doing that anymore. So oh, you can follow stopped. us there too. We used to post all the same stuff. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, it, don't it's, hey, don't tell them that. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do realize people can go back and look, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're not going to. No. Yeah, and then uh, Amir, <laughs> obviously um, yeah. forefathersgroup.com and yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram and and Twitter uh, under my own grow case tag that I'm always gotcha, have. gotcha. But, yeah, uh, the interesting one is forefathers. So awesome. Just follow that. Cool. So we normally wrap up every episode by saying go out and hug some necks. Amir, mm. I'm going to put you on the spot. How would you uh, say that in Swedish? Kramanaka. 
Awesome. God, Thank yeah. you, sir. Sounded so hateful. <laughs> <laughs> the language of lovers. Yes. Yeah, my Danish is not uh, strong enough where I could even closely uh, approximate that. So. Oh yeah, you have Danish heritage, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my grandparents were the first generation uh, born in America. Wow. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So apparently, nice. I still have a lot of family over in Denmark. And wow, like have that. you been there? Uh, no, I would love to. Oh wow! Did you know that the Danes—they're the best filmmakers. In the world, uh, I did not know that, but they're I really don't small. Watch a, but they make the best movies. I, I, you know, in the past seven years, I haven't had a lot of opportunity to watch something that hasn't come out from Disney or Pixar. Right <laughs> <so. laughs> oh, <man, I> <laughs> there with you. When you John get the time, check out some some Danish movies because they are they are pretty gotcha. fantastic. Amir gets the luxury of watching movies, yes. adult yes. movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have to wait until my kids have gone to sleep just to watch anything on Netflix. Yeah, yeah that, same, uh, same. Could be remotely scary. Mm-hmm. And so. then you're too exhausted so you pass out before the... Before <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't, I can't binge watch. It's like one episode <laughs> in and like halfway through I'm like struggling to stay awake. So yeah. the joys of uh, parenthood and getting older. So. Yeah. I'll cool. My, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason. Jason, you're the Thank best, you. man. Thank you so yeah. much. Hey, hey I, uh, we don't know if we're all going to be at Creative South. 2017, but damn it, you better be there if we're going to be there. Yeah, oh, we're going to be there. Be there. We're going to be there. Got to hang. Yeah. So sure. yeah, definitely. I will always be there. I'm on staff. I think I'm required to by law now. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> okay, well put in a good word for us. Yeah. I will. I will. Sweet. We will. Uh, we will make sure to get you back. Oh, um, you can follow Forefathers on Dribble and Twitter at Forefathers. And check out the show notes for more ways to interact with you guys. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA or at CreativeSouthGA.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.